hello and happy Halloween. A happy Halloween from Fan Critical. Uh, and today is our Halloween special covering Halloween. Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah, that's right. That crazed uh, noise that you just heard is a man who doctors have been trying to figure out for years. He hasn't said many words that have been positive. It's John joining me. <laughs> I just thought it'd be funny to just not say anything. <laughs> You're our very own Michael Myers, in a way. Uh, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, and, and a mask on you would be an improvement. Anyway, quick spoiler warning uh, for all of the Halloween films. We are going to be discussing them in in some manner. I mean, this film sort of just gets rid of a lot of them and, and just follows on from the original. Uh, but just a quick spoiler warning. Uh, and to be honest with you, do you really care if you get spoiled uh, for any Halloween stuff? No, probably not. So <laughs> just just stick around. Just stick around, if anything. So, John, this is our Halloween special, and. For anyone listening who has been listening to us for a long time, uh, we rate everything by the blueberry scale. Um, but, 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 for Halloween, we'll be adhering to a different system. I'm not happy with this. You should be. It's the pumpkin system, John. The pumpkin system. And, and it's not out of five, which is our traditional blueberry way. It's out of ten. Okay? So, you've got a bit more leeway here to play with, okay? Uh, so, J-Mac... Can you describe the pumpkin system to our listeners, first of all? And secondly, how many pumpkins are you going to give Halloween? And what are your overall thoughts? Well, look, I think everyone knows the pumpkin system by now. (laughs) Um, But it's obviously out of 10 pumpkins. Yeah. Yeah. there can be no half pumpkin. Yeah, I mean, that's that's legitimate. I mean, that'd just be weird seeing a half pumpkin. Yeah. So it is out of 10 pumpkins. Yeah. If something is particularly bad, you can score it as a rotten pumpkin. Yeah, I like that. Anything below a five is classed as rotten. Yes. Yes, I like it. I feel fairly confident we won't be seeing any rotten pumpkins today. Maybe not this year. Maybe next year. Who knows? Well, maybe. Maybe we can uh, watch some of the other Halloween films. But um, I pleasantly surprised with this film yes i do you know what i thought we were going to go blueberry so uh i wasn't expecting us to break out the pumpkin system which Mm. we've obviously used definitely before Mm. um i'm gonna give it nine pumpkins wow Uh, and uh, from you from you the more negative member, the Michael Myers character, who doesn't give anything positive, a nine. That is crazy. Uh, why? No, oh, yeah, not nine pumpkins. I um, I say pleasantly surprised. I, I was really like, I was buzzing that it was uh, that it was so good. Um, there's there's a lesson to be learnt for filmmakers rebooting stuff. Keep it simple. Hundred percent. Do the things that the original did well, and just do it slightly better. Yeah. Um, we're talking about a film that had a $15 million budget, something like that. Yes, tiny, tiny budget. To think, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis must be getting like... Five a, million. A slash of a slasher Ooh. of the uh, of the profits because there's no way that she's earning less than that. But yeah, mate, I, I absolutely loved it Um, and I suspect that you did too. Well, I have to say sitting down to watch this film I was worried because I always am when they reboot anything and uh, before I tell you my thoughts I thought it would be interesting um, 
to ask you, John, and listeners, how many Halloween movies do you think there are? And how many can you name? So, a little game here. I'll give you a give you a little, oh, mate. little I'll give you a little timer. It starts now. Go. Oh, come on now. <laughs> do, do I go now, do I? Yes. Halloween. Yes. <laughs> Good. Halloween. Yeah. So that's two. That is actually uh, two. Halloween two. Halloween the curse of the witches or some shit. I'll give it to you, yeah. Something like that? Yeah, I'll give it to you. Yeah, what is it? Season of the Witch. Season of the Witch. That, yeah, awful, yeah, yeah, it's awful. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Um, uh, the Resurrection of Michael Myers, is that Ooh, one? The Return of Michael Halloween Myers. Halloween Resurrection. Uh, Halloween Resurrection is a film, 2002. Yeah. Good. Uh, Halloween H2O. Yes, awful, but yes. Um, Halloween 2000, that's got to be one. It isn't, mate, I'm sorry. I'll give you a couple more guesses. <laughs> but, you know, you're along the right lines. Yeah. Um, oh, fucking Halloween 6. <laughs> just, there's no title, just There Halloween is no six. Halloween 6. I, I'll stop you there because we could get into silly territory. And some of these are silly, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, there have been 11 Halloween films uh, since the original in 1978. I'll list them for you now. Halloween, Halloween 2, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, Halloween H2O, 20 years later, Halloween Resurrection, then in 2007, just Halloween, and then in 2009, (laughs) Halloween 2, again, right? So, right, and now... In 2018, Halloween again. So not a lot of originality with those. Uh, and I can pretty much tell you that all of them, apart from Halloween and Halloween 2, are garbage. And that's why I'm surprised, because this was a this was a pleasant surprise. I, I couldn't believe how well they built up the front of the film. I couldn't believe how well they executed the gory, sinister elements of him just being this unstoppable force of evil. And like you said... They didn't reinvent the wheel here. They pretty much just took what was done in the original film with those lingering shots where there's just something going on in the background or where is he in the, you know, in the frame kind of thing uh, and built up that tension and that dread. Um, And then just some of the brutality in this film is horrendous. The guy is like, he is just the thing of nightmares. The boogeyman, as they say, obviously. Very naughty. Very naughty, hides in cupboards, smashes people around the head with hammers and stomps on people's <laughs> heads. So he does it all. But I loved it. I'm going to give it nine pumpkins. It would have yeah. been It would have been five blueberries. It's nine pumpkins. Um, it, it, it doesn't get the full tenth pumpkin. Um, mainly there's a couple of reasons. And I'll, I'll tell you that in the main recap. But uh, yeah, loved it. And I think this is a perfect film to see around this spooky time of year. If you have any affinity for the original Halloween um, or any of the films, to be honest with you, then do go check this out. I guarantee you will come out of the cinema uh, smiling, which is quite weird for a slasher film, but I think you'll just be so happy <laughs> with how good it is. So that's my advice to you. I've said this before in in other podcasts that Halloween is uh, is my favourite horror movie. Um, not Not the scariest by any means, but I just think it's, you know, perfectly paced, and it has the best villain. He is great. 
Yeah, um, and it's so weird, isn't it? Because he doesn't really have any depth to him. He doesn't have any sort of crazy... I mean, he has got a crazy backstory, but he doesn't really have like... he He's just pure evil. There's no sort yeah. of levels to him. Do you know what I mean? It's just, no, he's evil. He's unstoppable. Uh, and, you know, he just comes back from the dead. You can't kill this guy. So it's it's just terrifying. It doesn't make any fucking sense. It's just terrifying, right? So it, I, I get what you mean, uh, that he is the best bad guy, because maybe, like you said, keeping it simple and keeping it sort of ground, not grounded, but keeping it like that there aren't too many complexities. Like they didn't go into the mythology of, of Michael Myers. Do you know what I mean? They, yeah. didn't, they didn't do that. They just went, oh, no, he's escaped and he's going to fucking kill everyone. And I love that. Yeah. Not killing everyone, but I like the fact that's what they did. Uh, and kill everyone. And kill everyone. A couple of characters, I was over the moon they were killed, by the way. And we'll get onto that <laughs> in the main recap, which is coming up after this short advert. Hello. Yes. Sorry for the Halloween advert. Uh, but just thought I'd tell you, there's some really, really good stuff coming out. And as we're in the Halloween season... Uh, obviously, you're listening to this podcast now, but we have uh, our coverage of Stephen King's Misery, a retrospective for our Castle Rock podcast coming out on Thursday. So please do check that out. That will be on this fan critical channel and Castle Rock critical as well. In the coming weeks, we also have episode five of The Walking Dead, our coverage of season nine of The Walking Dead. And the reason episode five is so important is because it is the demise of Rick Grimes. So if you are watching The Walking Dead, definitely check out that episode. It's going to be very, very important for the show going forward. Not only that, we're going to be covering Overlord, which is released here in the UK in the first week of November. That's also a very good zombie horror film. So on that note, please do subscribe. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, all of the jazz, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're on it. Just search for Fan Critical or follow the links on the website. Uh, And thanks for that. And let's uh, get into the recap. So, John, I figure the way that we're going to do this is I have a plot synopsis, which I have trolled the internet for. And then we're going to talk about what happens in the plot and then what we liked about each section and what we didn't like, basically. And there's not much that we didn't like. But what I think there will be is some very funny horror tropes that just are littered throughout this film that make no sense. But I love them. Um, So four decades after the 1978 murders in Haddonfield, Illinois, True crime podcasters, it's not me and you, John, Aaron Corey and Dana Haynes travel to Smith's Grove Rehabilitation Hospital, uh, formerly known as the Sanitarium, to interview Michael Myers and his handler, Dr. Rambeer Sartain. Now, I did not know that was his name. I didn't really catch it, but um, weird yeah, name. it's a bit weird. He's weird. And he's one of the most ridiculous characters that we have here. Also, just to note at this point, that opening scene where they they go and try and interview Michael, uh, the setting they have for it is stunning. That checkered floor outside where there's just crazy people and it's just so haunting and weird, right? Did you think that when you saw that setting? Yeah, I mean, how are they getting access to that? I have no idea. We don't get access to anything mm. and we're famous podcasters, mm. so... You know, I want to be let into... I don't care if we cover true crime or not. You know, I want to be let into a home. Two two things to say about that. Two things to say about that. Um, they were British, right? These 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 uh, true crime podcasters. Yeah. Um, the guy... Uh, I can't remember his fucking name as a character. But 
uh, Aaron Corey, sorry. He is a fucking idiot. And he was terrible in this film. He was terrible. <laughs> like, literally, his delivery was so bad. I was like, that was the only thing that put me off about this whole first section of the film. He was caricaturishly stupid and awful. Then again, so was the Doctor in a way. But um, it, it, what did you think? You must have been hating his delivery, surely, John. Yeah, I mean, uh, when he's geeing him up and he gets the mask out, I'm like, how are they letting him do this? Can you imagine being, I don't know, like Ross Kemp? Yeah. Now imagine him going in and like just geeing up some prisoners on TV, but like like waving um, like their fucking knife or gun that they use to kill loads of people. Yeah. Ne- it never happened. No. Well, obviously the Doctor's quite an interesting character and he kind of wants to try and get uh, any sort of stimuli around Michael to entice him to say something and that is eventually his goal or, or to try and understand him and that's maybe why they let it go uh, but there's that amazing reaction and it builds up quite well with all the other crazy characters going a bit mental um sorry <laughs> uh, and basically then it cuts the titles and I was like right I'm into this so that was a very good start good cut very good start and then the podcasters go along to see Laurie Strode, who, as we see, is heavily armed in a guarded home. Um, and they they bribe her $3,000 to enter and to interview her. So, hmm, what did you think about uh, Laurie Strode's introduction into this film? Jamie Lee Curtis in this film is just awesome. Yeah, she's great. She really has aged. Mm. Um, and I'm not having a go. You sounds like um, you are. But yeah. I, well, in a way. Mm. But I'll tell you what I like about this is that it actually, and I criticised Harrison Ford for this in Blade Runner, Mm. um, in that it's just him playing Harrison Ford rather than Than the character. The same in Star Wars. You know I disagree Um, with you on that, but yeah. No, which is fair. Yeah. Um, But in this, this actually feels like Laurie, Mm. as opposed to... um, a sexy Jamie Lee Curtis in, I think it's like, I think it's H2O. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, come on now. You, you don't even look like the character that you were playing back in mm. the original. So good makeup, awful hair. Awful um, hair, awful. So, But that is but correct because you would be fucked up. So if she's going to hold herself up, if she'd have been introduced as this like sex symbol, then that would have been ridiculous. I don't know. I don't know why three thousand dollars is the number that gets you into uh, yeah. the house. I, don't know what's going I on. was sitting there thinking that's quite a lot of money. I was like, do you want to start with a thousand? <laughs> start with like a thousand or five hundred. Don't just go in at three thousand. You know, fair enough. Again, but apparently podcasters are breaking it in. I mean, They're I have like, to say, if anyone wants, I mean, if we want to interview anyone, and uh, I cannot part with three thousand pounds, so. They go and interview her. Obviously, the interview goes terribly. Our British podcast companion friend is also awful in this scene. Terrible. They're both just... Their interview technique is laughable. It is laughable. You don't open up an interview. Like, doesn't matter what who what the subject matter is, who you're talking to. You don't go in for the gold dust at the start of the interview. You get there after about <laughs> 20 or 30 minutes and you warm up the participant. You do not sit mm. there and go, so I um, I heard that you lost custody of your daughter. Did you ever get her back? First question. Uh, yeah, what the fuck? Sorry. 
No. What are they doing? You've just paid $3,000 and you say that you're award winning. That is bullshit. Anyway, that's something that annoyed me, uh, mainly because I have to interview people sometimes and there is no way that you go in with that sort of questioning. So, yeah, like, how is your daughter? She left you yet? Like, that no. Must, that must have been hard don't for 40 go, years. Don't start like that. Mental. Definitely not. Uh, so, I mean, it was good for Laurie because she got $3,000 and she only had to answer two questions and, and she didn't really give them anything. The interesting thing, though, is around this storyline is there's this big clamour to um, to speak to Michael or to get anything out of Michael because he's being transferred to essentially a prison now um, where he will no longer be under the state's control and he won't be able to be studied anymore. Here's, here's a question for you, Len. Can you remember why after 40 years he's now being transferred to a prison no there isn't there isn't an answer it's just it's right, just it's okay. just i think it's the fact that they've studied him for such a long period of time and they haven't got any information from him um and they've just deemed well he's you know he's just a horrible horrible person he deserves to be in prison uh, so let's go with that as an answer um as they know that they're <laughs> transporting him of on all days on all days or halloween this is a this now this is this is one of the negatives but I love it in a way, but it's a negative and it's a silly horror trope. It's like, right, when did this mass murder happen? Okay, yeah, October 31st, right, we've got to transfer him to prison, right? So I'm thinking October 30th is okay though, right? Oh, yeah, definitely, all right, that one's fine. October 30th, yeah, because that's not actually the day. Yeah, good one. Um, mental, who is scheduling this? Who is scheduling this? <laughs> Laughable. Well, someone's having a laugh, clearly. I want I want that to be in the sequel. There's someone in that mental hospital yeah. who is just like, this would be quite funny. Yeah. You know that madman that killed loads of people forty years ago? Let's let's transfer him yeah. thirty nine years and three hundred and sixty four days prior to the massacre. Ridiculous. Absolutely ludicrous. And you know, it's great though, because it leads to an amazing sequence of murder. But um Let's let's move on. Doki Doki Saratan or Saratane or whatever you call him. Uh, Ranbir <laughs> is his name. His, his name's Ranbir Saratane, mate. I can't, you know, I can't change his name. Well, I know, but you just called him Saratan, like he's in Lord of the Rings. Or <laughs> Saratan. No, um, he decides that he needs to go on the bus, and the moment he did that, I was like, right, well, he's obviously a dick, and he's gonna absolutely sabotage everything did you think that was the case 100 100 really? the moment he got on that bus i was like why is he getting on the bus it's unnecessary also if you've got your most dangerous uh sort of offender of all time you know a man who is notoriously known and is like studied for 40 years and all this sort of stuff why are you transferring him on a bus with every other prisoner right also why is there no not more guards on the on on the truck yeah, and like just a a cell truck or something that he just lives in. It's madness. It's absolute madness. Yeah. But horror tropes. Hey, we've got to let some of this stuff go because it leads to an excellent scene on the highway. Yeah, I mean, I, I stunned. He killed the kid. He killed the kid, mate. He bashed his brains in. Fucking couldn't believe it, man. <laughs> I was like, brilliant. Like I was cheering, but only for the the sweet brutality of it. Yeah. Because I, I felt like. This annoying kid, and he was annoying. Yeah. Um, also, his dad looked a lot older than him. When's he having his first kid? 60? Like, come on now. Yeah, I just, I, I thought he would, I don't know, be like a messenger or 
get involved with the other guys. Couldn't believe it when he died. Yeah, I mean, it was it was beautifully well constructed. And I think that's the thing that this film does so well is it constructs these slasher scenes with such tension and drama and sort of suspense. Um, and sometimes nothing happens. But with this highway scene, you have the mist and you have the escaped uh, mental patients uh, roaming around outside so it adds this extra sort of dimension to it he leaves the car i mean it's just classic goes into the bus shoots a doctor which i enjoyed very much bolts as you would as a kid uh gets back in the car and in the moment he got back in the car you're like he's in the back seat and he it's just classic and then standard head smashed to pieces the next day at a gas station is arguably my favorite kill of the whole film um he <laughs> tracks the our fellow um you know, our colleagues, you could say, our British podcast colleague friends, uh, who are, you know, award-winning and very good at interviewing people. Yeah. Uh, he tracks so exactly them to a gas station, goes into the bathroom where I think her name is Dana, is, uh, you know, doing her business, and um, brutally smashes... Uh, <laughs> I love it when Aaron, this other English podcast guy, busts in with a baseball bat thinking he's going to do something here. He gets his head absolutely turned into a watermelon like just smashed against a wall repeatedly. And then she's just lifted up and he just crushes her throat. It is, it is just brutal, man. It's just so good. Yeah. It's just so good. And plus, I really wanted that guy to die because he was so fucking annoying. He was so annoying. He was annoying. Um, I'll tell you what I enjoyed before that. Mm. Uh, Go on. Michael Myers, little teaser, isn't he? Walking around with fucking teeth in his hands yeah well he's just pulled them out of um the guys in the gas station i guess yeah uh is there is there anyone having a shit in there there you go look there's some teeth for you. <laughs> mental i mean it just proves that he is just clinically insane and evil i mean imagine it if if he genuinely is that evil that all he thinks about is killing laurie and and killing the rest of his family and killing other people you've been cooped up for 40 years and now you're escaped and there's this metropolis of people and you can just he can he's just going to town on him he's just absolutely going to town on him um but it leads to this amazing scene where he gets the mask right and when he puts the mask on that was very good very very good yeah classic classic and 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 the use of the score in this film uh at times was obviously not as excellent as the original was um but it is very good like just when that music came in i was like it's just this is just perfect so very good that famous music which uh which will play now that would be mad wouldn't it be like, fucking hell this is awful they've gone a bit avant-garde with the uh with the, with the you know interpretation of the original music so obviously the police are well aware at this point that michael is on the loose they've seen the bus and uh, we we get reintroduced to a character deputy frank hawkins who was one of the first uh responding police officers in the original uh, 1978 version of Halloween so it's another sort of tie-in to that film and obviously just to rem- remind everyone after Halloween they've pretty much forgotten all of the other 10 films that they've made and made this so ignore all the other films because they are garbage uh, and just stick to this one they're tracking down Michael then they track him to the, you know the gas station where he's just murdered everyone and typically right now we're on October 31st it is Halloween he's got his mask back and he is in Haddonfield. So it's going to be a bloodbath. Halloween night approaches 
Um, and just to say that we have been introduced in previous scenes to, um, you know, Laurie Strode's daughter, which is Karen, and yep. also her daughter, Alison. So you've got the sort of Strode family line all in Haddonfield, all there to be murdered by Michael. Now, the interesting thing as well is that, you know, Laurie has, as we've said, gone a bit gone a bit crazy, gone a bit sort of uh, survivalist, as you would say. And she brought Karen up uh, doing the same sort of survivalist techniques until about the age of, I think it was 11 or 8 or something. And yeah. that is why she lost her daughter, because she was trying to prepare her for the day in which Michael was released f- or escaped from the insane asylum, right? Which is an interesting thing uh, to lose your child for, number one. And it's completely it's completely alienated her from her family. So that was quite, I, I quite like the fact that there's this sort of dysfunctional family. The Strodes are very dysfunctional family, but it's mainly just because they disassociated themselves with Grandma Strode. And if you think about it, it's kind of like a slasher film where the person being hunted is actually extremely well prepared, right? Yeah, yeah, completely. I um, I think they took uh, some beats out of Terminator. Well, Terminator right. 2, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Linda yes, Hamilton. Absolutely. Like, you've got someone that is so obsessed about this impending doom. Mm-hmm that they end up alienate, alienating their entire family. Yeah. And okay, I mean, Laurie isn't banged up in an asylum. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, Sarah Connor is. In, in yes. Spoiler warning for Terminator, Terminator 2. 2 that came out 25 years ago. Whatever Judgment it is. Day. Get over it. Yes. Um, but yeah, so uh, I like that. Um, I, I definitely think... Uh, there's some influences there. Um, 100%. I thought it worked. You know, it's um, it's a pretty simple premise. You know, having uh, parental issues and the whole PTSD and stuff like that. It worked really well. Like it, it didn't didn't feel forced or anything like that. No, I liked it, and I think it gives a lot of depth to the characters, uh, especially Laurie, um, who you know has obviously suffered for such a long time, but sacrificed her own life to prepare her daughter and her granddaughter to an extent for this day. And it's annoying because as the film progresses, we know that Michael's got the mask and we know that he's killed like 10 people already and he's on the, he's on the roam, but they're just so dismissive of her um, throughout the whole <laughs> film that I was kind of like, well, you wait and fucking see, she's going to be right. So, you know, but Alison is uh, we're introduced to her friends as well and they are like these kooky sort of high school kids um and i quite liked all of them to be honest with you i thought they were all quite fun her boyfriend cameron is a bit of a dick and he actually is cheating on her on halloween night john so standard it was always going to happen uh, and that yeah. leads to allison on halloween night the family that's pla- the day that has plagued her family or the night that has plagued her family for 40 years uh leaves her phone there madness and just starts roaming around Haddonfield, which leads to crazy circumstances. Well, look, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, what what is the worst that can happen? Good, good point. Hammers to the head, John. And speaking of hammers to the head, <laughs> Michael, uh, you know, and this is delicious stuff, uh, starts roaming house to house in Haddonfield, uh, murdering a whole host of characters. There are just scenes of sheer brutality that make no sense there's no 
reason for him to be killing these people. He literally wanders into some woman's house, picks up a hammer, and then just bludgeons her to death. Thank God he didn't kill the baby, John. I thought he was going to kill the baby. Well, well, that's the thing. So, uh, <laughs> and I'm not annoyed. Mm, that yeah, that is. Be careful what you say here. Be careful what you say here. I was like, oh God, don't do this. Um, you know, only kill little boys with guns. Why is he not? Why is he not slaughtering these kids in the street? Why is he so selective? I mean, there was that that slutty girl that was getting in the. Well, I mean, she might not be slutty. She was dressed quite slutty. Um, which is a, a Halloween trope. That's fine. Um, she's getting into the car and the guy's there and I'm like, right, he's just going to wander over and just massacre these two people and the kids are just going to go mental. Um, but he didn't. He thought, you know what? I'll go in this house. I'll, uh, I'll kill these women. Bit weird, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he, he does operate in a very... That's why they're trying to figure him out, you know, trying to figure out how his, his mind works. I was amazed that he didn't kill the baby because, you know, the whole... Th- plot of the first film he you know he kills and he just killed that other kid like he does kill younger kids like he does but he doesn't discriminate like he's pure evil <laughs> he doesn't discriminate by age so it was shocking but he just wanders into that house he stabs that one woman through the neck with a knife and then bludgeons the other one with a hammer um and then obviously ends up i don't know whether it's serendipity or he's got some sort of sixth sense but he ends up at um Alison's best friend Vicky where she's babysitting's house um now what do you think about that is that just serendipity or do you think he has a sixth sense of obviously he's not been on like the social internet the social media and like searching her up or anything so um look I mean he might have maybe it's the mask yeah just maybe it's maybe it's something to do with the mask I guess Mm. but I try not to overthink it yeah don't overthink Um, it because we'll let it go and and that whole interaction in the the babysitting house is just so good. Uh, first of all, I want to give a special mention to the little kid. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but he had me in stitches. He is hilarious. Yeah. He's so good. <laughs> he is so good. He's talked his way into Stranger Things. Hundred percent. Stranger Things season three. Hook that kid up. He is so good. Um, but Vicky. Uh, invite invites her boyfriend Dave over, and obviously, as the little boy's going to sleep, that she's babysitting, she's like, "Hey, there's there's someone up here with me." Oh, and I was like, "Oh God, where's he going to be?" And then she opens, tries to close the closet, and then he just comes out of there. It was honestly terrifying. Um, <laughs> but the little kid's reaction is like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, he swears, doesn't he? Yeah, it's brilliant. He's like, "Oh shit!" And he just pegs it, and then Dave. You know, Stoner Dave is at the bottom of the stairs, like trying to G himself up. Bless him. That's the last we see of Dave. But it's just the brutality of the way that Michael kills people in this film. It's so sudden, isn't it? Like you kind of get the idea that there's a glimmer of hope with some of these victims. And then he's just like, nope, stab, dead. And then he's absolutely not. Yeah, you are now dead. And it's just it's that sort of just brutality that runs throughout the film. And the gore level is also very good for a horror film, I think. So Vicky's gone. Uh, Dave's gone. Little kid survives, which I'm very happy about because I like little kid. He was he was funny. But Alison, as she's wandering uh, back from uh, you know Cameron cheating on her and just wandering through Haddonfield about a phone, uh, she's with Cameron's best mate Oscar, 
who is a bit of a joker, reminds me of what you would try and be in middle school, to be honest with you. Try and be funny. What do you mean? Try and be funny and try and like get along with the girls. Do you mean trying to be funny? Oh, I'm really funny. Try and get with me. That kind of vibe. And that's fine. Coming from you (laughs) as well. (laughs) But... But as Oscar goes, you know, goes to get some, uh, she pushes him away and says, like, no, this is ridiculous. Oscar pissed off Correct. his head. So similar to you again. Uh, <laughs> this is quite a nice scene with the sort of motion detector lights where they're off and then they're on and you see him in the background and they're off and then he's a bit closer and they're off and he's a bit closer. Uh, and he just murders Oscar. Alison sees this, sees the mask, knows exactly what's going down, realises that her grandmother was right all along, bolts and is rescued by the police which is which is nice because I, I i thought she was going to be dead to be honest with you i did think she was going to die here come on you didn't actually think they were going to kill her i off, thought they you? needed to lose at least one of the strodes in this film i wouldn't have been surprised if laurie had gone in this film mm, yeah that's true as a sort of sacrifice maybe which might have actually been the the plan all along but um as uh, the police rescuer uh, they're att- that's our boy Deputy Frank Hawkins. Frankie, um, yeah. Frankie. He's now got Dr. Ranbir Sartain with him. You know, the boy, Saratan. And uh, at the same time, Laurie, uh, Karen, and Karen's husband have been... Uh, He's awful. <laughs> We've not mentioned him yet. They're making a plan to go to Laurie's super, you know, defensible cabin. Uh, and then that's where they're going to make their last stand. And the police are absolutely fine with this, which is bizarre. Bizarre to me that they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, good idea, yeah. Let's lure him to this cabin. Really good idea. Let's put one... Go to the police station, surely. Let's put one police car outside, because that's all we need. Um, Madness. But uh, we'll let that go. So Alison's being transported to the cabin as well, when Saratan, you know, or Sartain, or whatever we like to call him. Saraman, yeah. Saraman, yeah. uh, Decides to kill uh, Deputy Frank Hawkins after they've run over Michael Myers. Uh, so I feel for Deputy Frank here. He was bested by one of the worst characters in the film. Um, <laughs> which is, a, you know, if you're going to go, you want to go via Michael Myers. You don't really want to go via a little screwdriver from, from the little dock. So he's obviously got some sort of like fetish thing going on, like obsession, obviously, that he's so obsessed with Michael Myers that he's starting to embody him. You know what I mean? Which is quite an interesting concept, I guess, this sort of institutionalized vision it's a bit like harley quinn and the joker isn't it john a little bit yeah similar sort of vibe sense. similar sort of vibe um obviously harley quinn is far more attractive than dr ranbir sartain so just saying i'll tell you what if dr saraman was dressed up in harley quinn as yeah i mean can you imagine that would have made this an 18 i think i mean yes it's like putting you in one of those costumes which <laughs> we're not gonna do <laughs> Um, the doc uh, puts an injured, but as we know, not dead, Michael, into the back of the police car. And as you know, in the back of a police car in America, there is no escape. There's the like grated um, division between the, the drivers and the passengers. And there's also the locked doors. Now, this was this was terrifying because he's just lying there. And you're like, when's he going to wake up? And Alison can't get out. So I thought she was going to die here, John. I genuinely did think she was going to die. I didn't know how she's getting out of the situation. Uh, again, I, I didn't expect her to die. Mm. Um, I, I I immediately was like, well, I mean, Dr. Saruman is definitely getting killed at this point. Yes. I, I don't know who the hell he thinks he is taking this mask off. Mm. 
That's Michael Myers, for fuck's sake. Yeah. And his obsession about getting him to speak as well. Like, mm. can you bore off, mate? But that, that was his downfall, wasn't it? Because obviously Alison here says, he spoke to me. Um, and he might believe <laughs> that because she's a relative of Laurie. So it might make sense. And then he gets he gets a mini erection and he gets very excited to the doc. And he stops oh, the... Oh, what did he say? He, yeah, whoa, what, did he, what did he say? Michael wakes up, grabs the doc and literally crushes his head with his boot. Like... Full on melon, blood yeah. everywhere. Yeah, v- very satisfying. Disgusting. Disgusting. Satisfying. He was a terrible character. I wanted him to go. Uh, perfect. So it just shows how strong this man is. He's a freak yeah. of nature. The film. The film does a very good job of never showing you his face, really, because if they did, I think he would lose a lot of that sort of aura that he has, and. The fact that they are able to sort of conceal, for the majority of the time, his face is very powerful. And they didn't even reveal it when he didn't, you know, have the mask on and stuff. So very good job on the decision of the director to never show it. Because it's quite hard to get through the film. You know, the first third of the film, he's got no mask on. So very, very good work. Obviously, this is very close to the Strode complex now, um, where they're going for the final showdown, as the doc was once calling it. And Alison runs into the woods and fleeing um, in any direction. And Michael murders the rest of the policemen that are there, turns up at the cabin. Uh, and at the cabin, that is where Laurie, uh, Karen, and her literal joke of a husband are. Um <laughs> Now, there's a couple of things in this sequence that I really like, John, this whole sort of finale sequence. And there's a couple of things that blow my mind as just like, this is this is crazy. So the first one is you bring everyone to the super fortified cabin, right, where you have a veritable arsenal of guns that you can get on the American market, probably. Uh, you have, you know, defense <laughs> systems, camera systems, motion sensors what would your first piece of advice be um don't go outside on your own would probably be mine now (laughs) what is this guy thinking here's a joke they give him the revolver because i think laurie gives him the revolver because she's like well he's gonna die so i'm just gonna get rid of my worst gun here (laughs) (laughs) what was it what is he thinking john does he go out there with a yo-yo as well? <laughs> he's taking a piss. Honestly, this, I mean, this, has he missed what's going on? He's he's an absolute cartoon character, this guy. I mean, Garbage guy. Yeah, so he, he goes outside because uh, the police car turns up. I mean, just don't go outside. It's just, just 101. He's left a door open oh, as well. It's, like, it's what an just, utter prick. It's all just a joke. He gets absolutely, like, gutted or whatever it was. I can't remember how he goes, like, knife to the throat or whatever. I have no sympathy for characters like that, John. Never. Correct. They haven't yeah, got a brain. Stupid. Laurie and Karen are in the house. Alison's still rummaging around in the woods. Michael approaches the house and this is where we get some excellent, excellent sort of home alone slash, uh, you know, like you said, Terminator 2, you know, unstoppable it force. Is, yeah. yeah, 100%. Like in the, you know, in the smelting um, area that they are in that film and in the cabin here. And, Michael was trying to break in. They've got that secret underground bunker, which is quite cool that it, like Terminator 2, uh, reveals very slowly, you know, like the kitchen island just goes away and there's the basement area, which is very, very cool. And that's where all the gun... It's a bit creepy, that. It is creepy. Can can, can you imagine? There's no way that uh, Laurie built that. Mm. She's obviously got 
someone out yeah from like i don't know like a home depot or whatever yeah whatever they have in the u.s yeah uh, and said right can i have a secret basement please yeah well what are you doing in there you've got to think about it for people who do have these things built how who do they hire for such tasks if anyone watches better call saul um well, Gus Fring knows who to call, so maybe we should get in contact with them. <laughs> okay. But anyway, no, watch it. It's good. It's good. Answers your question, actually. But um, yeah, so Karen's hiding down there in the, in the basement. Laurie's grappling with Michael at the door. I was annoyed with Laurie here uh, because she's so well prepared. And we've seen how good she is with guns. We've seen literally everything that she's done to prepare for this night. And... She puts her ear to the door or something here, and he can just uh, smash I through mean, and grab her head. I mean, she puts her back to the door. Yeah, what is she, she doing? doing? What is she doing? You Terrible know. choice. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Some some of her choices in this house. Yeah. You think, are you having a laugh? <laughs> because she is so prepared, and that's the thing that makes me laugh. It is funny. It's just funny. I liked it in a way. But um, the next thing is he gets in um, to the house, as does Alison. Coincidentally, she wanders in through the woods. And then... Alison goes down into the basement with Karen and uh, Laurie is tackling Michael on her own around the house. Now, obviously, she's turned all the lights off. So we're getting this excellent sort of horror situation, a search and destroy mission. And what I liked about this is there were some really cool ideas that were used to counteract, you know, a homicidal maniac roaming around with a knife. One of which was the doors that have shutters on. Um, like so you can block off a room. Do you know what I mean by that? Like the corridor, she had those metallic doors that came down when she pressed the button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very clever. Very clever. Question for you though, John. Why wouldn't you start the encounter like that? Why would you <laughs> not close them at the start? Um, to create <laughs> some sort of... Tension. You want to make it difficult for yourself. Yeah, it's like easy mode, medium mode, or hard mode. You've gone for hard mode. Can you imagine mode. if you just turned up in a car at yeah. the front yeah. and she just blew him away with a, a rocket launcher? And that's I mean, just the end of the film. Just want to be honest. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good idea as well. So she encounters Michael in the house. They have a good bit of uh, sort of rough and tumble. Not in that way. And uh, yeah, well, I'm yeah. watching a different film. Yeah, and uh, Laurie gets thrown from the balcony or window over the edge. And I thought this would be a good time to talk about the original film and how they have taken some very iconic shots uh, from that original film and subverted them. The first of which is the one that I just mentioned. So Laurie gets thrown from the window and she's lying on the floor. Uh, In the original film, Michael goes out the window and he is lying on the floor. And then when Laurie looks back, he is gone. Yeah. So that's very... It's Loomis, isn't it? Loomis shoots him and he yeah. falls out the window. Yeah, and that's very good. Mm. The next one uh, that I noticed, and tell me if you've noticed any more, because I only noticed like two or three. The next one was when uh, Alison's in school earlier in the film and she looks out her window and Laurie's there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas in the original, it's Michael. Yeah. In so Mark that's Mark just a nice sort of subverted thing, yeah? That's like Laurie and Michael have sort of traded places in this film in a way. When she's uh, looking for him, going through the cupboards and stuff. Mm. Yes. She's obviously hiding in the cupboards. Yeah, yeah. So for her, original, it's obviously very personal, isn't and it? And then goes yeah. at him with a uh, uh, like a coat hanger or whatever it is. Whereas yeah. in this, she's the hunter. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah it was um but obviously the the one that's so on the nose is her falling out the window and yeah. then he looks down and she's gone that's yeah. uh that was hilarious yeah and he must be thinking oh no i remember that um so that's very good uh michael tries to break into the secret bunker downstairs he doesn't know that laurie's there anymore he doesn't know where she is and he re- he breaks in laurie jumps out they somehow get him down into the bunker and this is what i liked about it because this is this actually surprised me because i was like i thought the bunker was just like a safe room but once they get everyone out of there they say it's a trap and they just incinerate the whole house and michael in it yeah yeah i mean i i didn't didn't see it coming it was just the whole line where it's like um it's uh it's it, a, it's, it's, a prison. it's a prison it's or, a prison yeah. yeah yeah i was like oh cool and they literally like get those like those giant nails that come across the side and just sort of capture him there do you know what i yeah. mean so he can't get out when he's just standing there annoyed yeah <laughs> is he annoyed though or is he sort of like in admiration a bit maybe oh, i think he's annoyed yeah maybe annoyed because he doesn't really care but um do you think that is the death of michael myers i mean this film well i think we know there isn't well i mean they've already greenlit a sequel so i mean that's <sighs> definitely happening yeah um but here's a question do you think Michael will be involved in that film? Because there's quite a lingering shot at the end of Alison holding the knife, which is quite an interesting decision uh, as the final shot. Um, do you think that could have any bearing on the sequel? I'm not so necessarily you, you saying think that she's going to become. Maybe I don't know. I mean, just thinking about a way of taking it in a new direction. Obviously, this was such a good replication of the original, and just subverting a couple of things that we already knew, like training up Laurie so that she was prepared to tackle this sort of foe this time. Uh, you know what would happen if you know, it is a family thing. Uh, what would happen if um, you know Allison? became a serial killer for, for example just a thought just a thought it wouldn't work hmm. um well she's not as scary the, as michael miles that's for sure well because i mean she's i mean we've heard her speak for a start and seen her face yeah i just think it's such a shame for him to st- he can't still be alive there's no way man like he was breathing at the end credits yeah it's yeah, interesting. It's just so interesting. I think it's I think it's a masterpiece of a slasher film. I really do. I I I think it's one of the best slasher films of the last 10 15 years. I really do believe that. I think Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah, the, you know, I, I haven't been this enthralled by a slasher film since Scream, for example. So uh, Yeah, it's a good shout. For me, this this obviously is it's still got comedic beats to it. It's not as comical as, as Scream is, but in terms of horror and the way it paces things is also very good so um i am buzzing after watching this and i hope that we can get more good halloween films in the future and i think this director should stay on board i think the the scripting team should stay on board i think reinvent it now not like like you said keep it simple though keep it simple but you know because a slasher film doesn't need to reinvent the wheel necessarily no um you know what you're getting when you go to see these films i i still think it's quite a unique concept despite its simplicity um uh, like a a slasher movie done like this i can't think like i guess jason uh the friday the 13th films but i always found them a bit sort of campy and a bit over the top they are campy especially when you get to like number three so 
But then again, that's the same with Halloween. Like, you know, they're just done to death. And the same with Nightmare on Elm Street, just done to death. You know, they this is a reinvention or a rehash of a film that genuinely works. Whereas films like Nightmare on Elm Street, films like Friday the 13th and an iconic sort of horror villain like Jason has not been rebooted successfully. This is the first one probably in something stupid like 15, 20 attempts that has worked. And uh, that should be applauded, I think. So well done. Well done to Halloween. Well done. 2018. We're done. Halloween is upon us. And when you are listening to this will be Halloween. Uh, So happy Halloween. And I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, If you haven't seen the film and you've listened to this because, you know, you don't really care about horror films, fine. Go watch it. It's really, really good. Uh, And other than that... It is great. It is great. And other than that, just want to say our Misery podcast is out on Thursday. We're doing The House on Haunted, The Haunting of Hill House next week. Overlord in a couple of weeks. Walking Dead coverage is continuing. It is all going on here at Fan Critical. So please do subscribe and share the podcast out to your friends. Leave us a review. We love reviews. We're going back to the blueberry system as of our next podcast. So goodbye to the pumpkin Aww. system until next year. Um, <laughs> so it's a very sad time here. But please do share and uh, promote the podcast because uh, we love you guys listening to us and send us your feedback too right in at, at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com that is at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com As, other than that this is uh, time to say goodbye goodbye John thank you for uh, turning up to this don't know where the others are just probably too scared to watch it if anything dead probably probably Michael, Michael has been roaming around you've been putting that mask on roaming around and assassinating the fellow members but other than that <laughs> I will <laughs> brutal I will uh, does I'll, not like podcasters well that's it and uh, thanks for thanks for that mate and uh, see you guys uh, probably tomorrow for the next podcast bye <laughs>